Hello, I'm Wanda Boker, and this is Save the World Every Day, a podcast dedicated to choices we make every day to address the big problems that feel out of our control, but keep us up late at night. Save the World Every Day is a conversation about what we can do as individuals and as a community to tackle the problems that are most important to us. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. And check out our sister blog by the same name at savetheworldeveryday.com. Today's podcast was inspired by the Habit of Grace Green Team, an environmental nonprofit organization which dedicated their monthly newsletter called Think Green, Eat Green to the benefits of preserving food at home. The newsletter, which I'll put a link to on the blog, outlines how preserving food at home lowers our carbon emission footprint, reduces waste, and contributes to a healthy diet. It occurred to me that learning new ways to make preserves or dehydrate and freeze food would be an excellent COVID-19 lockdown activity and a timely subject for the podcast. My guest today is Patricia McAllister Shakeshaft, who is the author of Think Green, Eat Green. I've asked Patty to talk to us about what motivated her to write about food preservation and to share a couple recipes that aren't too difficult and don't require specialized equipment that we can try at home. Patty, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Wanda. Lovely to be here. All right. Now, full disclosure, my only experience with food preservation is making jam when I worked in Russia in the early 1990s. My landlady in Moscow introduced me to their custom of preserving fruit during the summer months. We had strawberries in May, cherries in June, apricots in July, and tomatoes in August. And Russian jam, it's called varenia, is delicious. But more importantly to my landlady, It provided a source of vitamin C during those long winter months when fresh fruit and Greek vegetables were hard to find. What inspired you to start preserving food at home? Well, I cannot claim to be a lifelong preserver. I came to it fairly recently, but my mother was a canner. She preserved food for decades, raising a very large family. We did not live uh, in a rural area. We were in a city, didn't have a big garden, so she would go to the farmer's market and bargain for bushels of tomatoes, bushels of apples, uh, pecks of Concord grapes for jam. I don't even think I know what a peck is now. (laughs) But when all of that produce came into the house, the kids had to help. So ergo, I had no interest in doing that as an adult for many decades. Then I retired about four years ago and decided... I had a lot of time. I needed projects, so I decided to try canning, and it just took, and I have done more and more every year. Was it like riding a bicycle? Did you have to do a lot of research, or did it all It was. It it actually was the the squishing your hand into that jar with the tomatoes was a very strong memory, (laughs) and the the heat in the kitchen, (laughs) but really... Kind of to explain it, I, I need to go back at least 10 years, and that's how long my husband and I have really embraced the locally grown, sustainably raised organic produce that is so abundant in our area. We've had a CSA membership for most of those years. I have always cooked with whole foods uh, from scratch. Uh, I don't eat meat, so I've never cooked meat at home. So our meals are really all about plants. And we just took to this farm to table, let's call it, in a big way. I also always wanted to know what's in the food that I eat. 
Right. And to do that, you just have to cook it yourself with very simple ingredients. And I'm a big fan of Michael Pollan, the author maybe your listeners are familiar with. And he has stated often that we want to eat food as close to the way it is grown or the state of, of its when it's picked. So that's how I try to cook. You talk in your newsletter about the ways that canning or preserving food at home actually helps the environment directly. You talk about the <laughs> footprint. Now, was that something that you've known about for a long time, or it was it a gradual realization that this is something that has a broader impact than just a health? Well, it's a, it's a couple of things. It is uh, the lack of food waste that happens when you preserve food. Also, I'm not quite reconciled about the carbon footprint because, as I said, you're, you're doing a lot of cooking. So I do feel I'm using a lot of fossil fuel. But also, as I stated in the newsletter, you're not paying any energy to transportation. There's no marketing costs, publicity. Right. So it's just food that you brought into your home and turned into preserved food. So preserving Food is a great way to use up an excess amount of produce. Say if you have a farm share and you get a lot of something, it's a great way to, to preserve it rather than compost it or worse, throw away. Right. Something to that we need to mention is the need to avoid food waste, which is something that's been given a lot of attention globally, certainly. The reason we want to keep food waste out of landfills is is pretty obvious, maybe to a lot of your listeners. Landfill is an anaerobic environment. There is no mixing of a landfill. There's no oxygen being introduced. So the food waste that is in a landfill just sits and bakes and bakes and produces methane, which is a very harmful greenhouse gas, far more toxic than carbon dioxide. So we really want to keep it out of the landfill. We really need to strive to do that. And we're very fortunate here in our little town of Haver de Grace to have a food waste program right in the center of town. This is an initiative of the Green Team, the Green Team Zero Waste Program. There are bins located there. They're open seven days a week, I think 12 hours a day. So it's a very convenient place to put your food waste, your kitchen scraps. And that is a big step in helping the environment that we can all do with our food, keep it out of the landfill. But as far as inspiration for canning, the I think it's the, uh, it's the taste of the food. You're capturing this food at peak ripeness and peak nutrition. It allows you, with a little bit of work, it's, it is a lot of work, but then you have, for the rest of the year, you have these this seasonal flavor available on your shelf or in your freezer to cook with. It's just great. Instead of something at the store that might be preserved or processed, yeah. you've got your ingredients. It's better for you and it tastes so much better. It really does. And it no, really does. it doesn't have additives. It doesn't have any more sugar than you want to put in it. Uh, it doesn't have any type of preservatives that you don't know about or you can't pronounce. That makes a huge difference. It makes you feel exactly. a lot better about what you're eating. When when I made Varenia with my, my landlady in Moscow, we didn't use anything besides sugar. Russian jam isn't canned in that it's not airtight sealed. Stored in a cold basement or uh-huh. a cold hideaway or in your refrigerator. And it's always okay. used that year. 
And I actually got into trouble because I loved it so much. I ate more than my allotted amount. And Tamara was really worried that we were going to run out of jam before March and April. But my grandma, she did the traditional canning. That that stuff Mm -hmm. can stay on the in her shelves in her pantry for years. She would have them dated. So, you you know, mm-hmm. there would be jam that she had made three years before and we were still eating it. How do you mm-hmm. preserve food? Is it long-term preservation or is it just for that year? Well, it's this year it went because of the way we've all been cooking since March. We went through our canned goods pretty quickly after the pandemic began. So I decided to step it up again this year, do more than in previous years. I've kind of been doing that for four years anyway. But you're right. Some of the jams that I've made, I have, like, they may be two or three years old. I kind of concentrate on tomatoes. So you do tend to go through those because you can use tomatoes in so much cooking. But chutneys and jams, pickles, I've kept those for a couple of years. It's well, great. It, it, it is. It, it, there. And you can say, I'm not going to do that this year. <laughs> So I asked if you had any recipes to share that weren't too difficult and didn't require purchasing special equipment. Could you come up with anything to share with us today? Yes. Those recipes of my mother's. Yes. I'll put them on the blog. So there's a, um, there's a pickle sweet, a bread and butter pickle recipe and chili sauce and the bread and butter pickles. I think they're pretty simple. Like anything, every time you make a recipe, it gets easier. These are a sweet, and very spicy pickle, very soft. It's great on sandwiches. I particularly love it on tomato sandwiches. Oh, yeah. And the chili sauce is just a very strong memory from my childhood. It was a staple in everyone's home where I grew up in New York State. All the moms would make chili sauce on different days, and you could walk through the neighborhood and know who was cooking chili sauce because it would come wafting oh, up oh, the wonderful. kitchen window. And chili sauce, I would say, is, I would describe it as a thickened, sweetened, uh, well-cooked salsa. Very flavorful, really. Uh, and I, I think you might be able to find chili sauce in the grocery store, but I would say it probably doesn't resemble homemade at all. <laughs> and that's a very simple recipe as well. Really, for the most part, I go online. There's a tremendous amount of information as well as recipes. And much of the, most of the recipes that I use are from uh, websites. you have a favorite website? Well, a, a good thing to look for, and I think I mentioned this in the newsletter, is an extension service. Many universities have extension service websites for canning and freezing. And just look for that .edu uh, in the URL. Also... My go-to place is, is Ball or Care canning companies that produce canning equipment. Oh. You see those names on jars, Ball and Care. I think I'm pronouncing it right, Care. And they have very comprehensive and helpful websites. So if you have a question about can I can or freeze this certain food or that food, or can I cook something and then freeze it, that's the place to go. I'm sure in the old days or in Russia, when you live there, they, the women talk to each other and figure right. it out. But that's a, that's a good thing. So the, the, the family recipes are fun. And I actually, I have mine thanks to a sister-in-law of mine who is a lifelong canner. She's always can. So I have to call Marie sometimes with a question. 
Now, a lot of people that will listen to this have never even thought about preserving food at home. What would you say to them? How can they start? Do you think that they should just get online and research or start with a simple recipe? Well, a couple of things I would suggest certainly is to start small. Please do not go out and buy a canner or, uh, heaven forbid, a food dehydrating system until you know if this is for you. But a couple of things to try uh, freezing. If you have freezer space, that is a very simple thing to do. Many foods can just be cleaned and cut up and put in containers in the freezer. Oh, with freezing, there's usually a little bit of loss of texture. Not so much flavor, I think, but, but the texture changes a lot. Oh, something I've done recently is just last week, I was cutting kernels of corn off ears of corn, which inexplicably we are still getting fresh corn in November <laughs> in Maryland. You just cut it off, throw it in a bag and into the freezer. I like to think that it tastes better than what you can buy in the grocery store frozen food aisle. Another real simple project to do, to try is jam. As you may remember, doing jam is great. You just, if you find yourself with an abundance of fruit, all you need is sugar, a few small jars, lids, and a big pot. You don't need a canner. A big pot accommodates small jars. You can make a lot of jams without pectin. Now, pectin is a granulated product you'll see on the canning shelves. Is a preserver, and it helps set the jam. It's made of citric acid and, I believe, a sugar acid of some sort. But Actually, a lot of fruit contains pectin, apples especially. So I've seen recipes, Wanda, that for other fruit jams that say throw in an apple, and then you can avoid using oh. the, the pectin. Yes. And it's really just fruit and unfortunately a lot of sugar. But as you said earlier, as much sugar as you want to put in there. So then it so, doesn't use pectin, it's a, it, but it's more syrupy it's, than uh, what we're used to in is jam. And then oh, is that right? The okay. traditional way to have it is to put a teaspoon in your tea. Yeah, okay. When you're having Russian, you know, your Russian tea in the afternoon, or to, to pour it over a piece of black bread with butter. There's never any expectation that it's solid. It's okay, interesting, yeah. interesting. And now this is just absolutely the perfect time to make applesauce. And this is the simplest of all processes, I think. You're merely boiling apples down. You can peel them or not. I choose not to peel because a lot of the nutrition is in the peel of the apple. Put it in jars and do a hot water bath process or put it in containers in the freezer. And this is something I've done both ways and I don't think you can tell the difference. The frozen applesauce tastes every bit as good as the canned. It's a lot easier. Save some steps. And it is so, so delicious compared to what you buy at the store. Oh, I imagine. Really and that's <laughs> a great project for this time of year, too, because it is. apples it is. are starting to come out. Yep. And I am, uh, they're abundant right now. And uh, oh, something we should mention is seconds. You want to look for seconds when you are uh, at the farmer's market or go to a farm. Every farm has seconds of probably every crop. That's the term used to describe fruit that isn't perfectly shaped or perfectly colored. Uh, might have a couple bruises, but it's nutritionally sound and it's a great way to buy produce economically. Absolutely. And it's just perfect for cooking or preserving. If you don't live in a rural area and you can't just get in your car and drive to a local farm, 
as <laughs> we're privileged to do here in Harford County. Just as you can order meal service boxes in the big in, in <laughs> large cities, so you can. It is a great idea. Too. And a surprise every week. What's in the box? It's right. great. Absolutely. <laughs> you you yeah. might have to act quickly with seconds. That's the other thing. They, they don't keep as well. Uh, I bought a half bushel last week that I'm working through making applesauce and apple butter. And I'm getting there. <laughs> but that will be the end of canning. I've done a lot of tomatoes, salsa, fig jam, fig chutneys, and the corn that I mentioned, and apples. I have promised myself before this, but this really will be the last for this year. <laughs> well, that sounds pretty impressive to me. I'm so glad you were able to share all that with us. Yeah. And, you know, the name of this whole project is Save the World Every Day. That I came, I came up with the name almost as a joke, thinking I feel so helpless sometimes that I, I, I yeah. can't control all these big issues that, that are I see around me. Mm-hmm. What can we do as individuals? And there, it's a valid question. Does making pickles, making your own pickles at home save the world? I think at this point in, in the United States, where we are today, with everything that's going on around us, if learning how to preserve food helps the environment in any way, if it, if it helps our awareness, awareness on what we can do as individuals to help the environment to to keep a little bit out of those landfills. If it helps improve our diets so that we can deal with the stresses that we're dealing with every day, if it helps us focus on something positive, then yes, it helps us save our worlds on a daily basis. So I think it's worth a try. I hope that these recipes that you're sharing and that we're going to put on the blog will inspire people to try them out in their own kitchens. And I really thank you for joining us today. Oh, you bet. You bet. That's, that's well put. The way you put it is a, is a great way to look at it. And it is, I agree, it's something we need right now. Yeah. We really do. That wraps up our program for today. Thank you for listening. Again, if you like what you hear, please subscribe with your podcast directory of choice. We are on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitchers, and Apple Podcasts. And follow our blog at savetheworldeveryday.com. Please stay healthy and safe. And remember to wear a mask when you're out and about. Until next time.